It's a joy to be here today. And uh, I've got to tell you a funny before I get started. I won't run over, no more than an hour. But what I did to, when Randy and I were talking about me preaching, I, we had a little thing about the music before. We didn't have anybody. Bobby had to try to do it with her, without a voice. And uh, so I said, we have a music problem, uh, and there's no leadership for it. I'll just go ahead and preach, and, and we'll, I'll probably be finishing about 35 minutes. And I said, I'll set the standards for the next Sunday. So they'll be expecting to be out here by about 12.35 or something like that, or 12.40. He says, don't do that. <laughs> so we got him panicked a little bit, but that's okay. T turn your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Corinthians 5. Looking at verses 17 through 20. I want to read that, and then we will... Give us a sermon. I don't know what. I just didn't have everything ready for uh, Mark this morning, but it appears that you've got it already. Second Corinthians five seventeen through twenty. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed us to the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Shall we pray? Father, we ask a blessing upon your word. We ask you, Father, to open our hearts and our thoughts, let our thoughts be upon your word. Let the word go forth, let the word make changes, and may lives be improved, and may lives be changed, and may be lives be committed to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, we live in a world turned upside down. Our country's being divided. There's a great rift in our country and throughout the world, and we don't even know the meaning of Reconciliation. Sometimes I just want to turn the TV off, the news off, and just shut it down. Just listening to the problems we have. You know, and we view things as a Christian through a different lens than the world does. You know, I have bifocals and I have problems. The first problem I found out when I had bifocals when I get under a car, and I think Roy and a few mechanics will understand this, I couldn't get far enough away or close enough to see the thing that I was trying to look at. We experience that in life. Now I can stand behind the desk with the, with the way they are now, and I can actually read the uh, monitor with Bobby typing. So, but I can't get up close and see the things I want to see. So there's things that keeps us from seeing right. But today I'm going to ask you to look through a different lens. I'm going to ask you to look at a, which, which lens you really look through. Do you look through the lens of the world, or do you look through the lens that God's provided for us, his word? Which lens do you think? Which way do you make? How do you make decisions? Where are you at in life? You know, the, God can polish your lens and he can shape our life, but it takes change. God can change our nation and he can bring reconciliation, but it takes change. But it starts with each and every individual. And I'm going to ask you today, to look into your own life 
Look into the mirror and see where God has you. How do you view the world? Through God's eyes or the world's eyes? The world's way or your way? As we look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, I'm going to tell you something. I look out, the majority of you are in Christ, whether you like it or not. You're there. At least you said you're there, most of you, by your presence. Some of you may not be. But you're in a new family. You understand that? You have a new family. When you, when you became in Christ, you have a new family. You have new blood relatives. You know, I, I had a problem. I, I got to tell you this one. My first pastor was Rehoboth. Little church out the road here about what? Five miles, three miles, whatever it is. Rehoboth. And they used the term. You know what the term they used? They called me Brother Art. Now, most of you older people understand that. And it's the way you speak. I was, I was at a, I became to know the Lord in a military church where everybody was young and there was no old people in that church. Everybody was under 40. Most of them under 30. I think we had a couple maybe over 50. But we didn't use those terms. But what did they understand in Rehoboth that the first church I came to know the Lord in did not understand? What did they understand? They understood the family relationship of the church of God, the church family. They understood what the tithes were all about. Brother Art and brother and sister Bobby meant something. They meant you were part of the family. That was my first experience in that. But then when I went to be a church planner, guess what? I had some people from the south, some people from the northeast, and all. But they still used the term brother. They understood what it meant. You know, we sing a song, there's power in the blood. But in fact, it's hymn 225, if you had a hymn to look at. But he called, we sing that. We know it. It's a hymn that we know. Everyone in here that's been in the church for any length of time in this area has heard the song, There is Power in the Blood. But you know what I love about that song? What does it say about the blood? It says, there's wonder-working power in the blood. The wonder-working power. The power in the blood. And what are they talking about? What are they saying? They're saying the power of the blood shed by Jesus Christ on the cross. They're looking at the cross. They're seeing at the cross. They're seeing the blood that was shed for their sins and their renewal in their life. The power had changed their lives. Power in the blood. The blood that was shed for them. We also sing, and in most funerals, not most, not several, a lot of funerals have what? The old rugged cross. Why? Because it also talks about something in that song, does it not? 
to pardon and sanctify me. The cross means something. The cross meant something to that person. The cross means something today. We need to be see it. I can see one in front of me and I can't. I meant to tell Mark to put one up <laughs> in between. But I can see a small one in the back. The cross means something. In the church I planted in Muscatine, my sister-in-law had made a cross out of two befores. Actually, she got some willing city workers to do it. But it had the old rich pine stains through it. It looked like blood streaks. That meant something when you looked at it and thought about it. They also sing another song, 237, I Stand Amazed in the Presence. A sinner condemned unclean. But you know what's amazing? Is when we're standing before Jesus Christ and we've accepted Christ, we stand there, what? Washed white as snow. We sing about that as well. But what did David say? David said in Psalm 51, wash me, cleanse me. Have you ever prayed the prayer and sang that song? Wash me, cleanse me. Get rid of this filth in my life. David knew what it was like to be close to God. You might say, David, for God, was a favored child. But how does all that come about? In 17, it also says, he, not only is any man in Christ, he is a new creature. And some of you say that some are more creature than, I won't go on. We look at that term in the way, what does it say, what does it say in simply? Regeneration. Now, that's a big word. I'm going to give you the definition for it. And then, I'm, excuse me a minute. The pollen is here. The simple definition, then I'll give you my definition of regeneration. It says, when, when God came down to the side of the worst disaster in the universe, us sinners, and completely removed the deadly toxins at the core of our being, that was the simple definition but my definition is, he cleaned house, and he replaced the house cleaner. It'll take a moment for that to sink in. I'll wait. We also use some other terms that the same, essentially say the same thing. In John 1.13, Scripture talks about born. Born of God. Not by the will of men. You didn't save yourself. Jesus Christ did. And also, if you remember Jesus' answer to Nicodemus in John 3 3, what did he say? Born again, another term. Born again, regeneration. Ephesians 2 10, we're called his worksmanship. 
Again, it's something God did, not man. Because it was impossible for man to do it. That's the reason for the cross. That's the reason for Jesus' death. It was impossible. The one sacrifice needed to be an atoning sacrifice that would last forever. Jesus died once for all of you. For everyone. Not just one, for everyone. But there is a need for regeneration. If you look at uh, Ephesians 2.1, it says we were dead in our trespasses and sin. And when you're dead in your trespasses and sin, that means one avenue for you. People don't like to use the word today, but if you're dead in your trespasses and your sins, you're going straight to where? Straight to hell. As simple as that. People don't like to say it. We like to be nice about things. But that is being nice to let people know the end result without regeneration. You're spiritually dead. There's no good in you in that way. But Ephesians 2, 5, he said, he made us alive. Now, there's, pardon me for bringing a uh, little uh, computer into this sermon, but anybody remember a computer by the name of Johnny Five? How many have, have seen and know what I'm talking about? Oh, I, I gotta, I've got to make a copy of that and bring that movie in. This little drawer that escapes from a factory. And they restore his programming. And he says, I, I can't, I wish I could get people as alive as he's the way they had that little droid say that. I'm alive, I'm alive. When Jesus comes into your life and he changes you and God brings this inside out and cleans it inside out, you should say, I'm alive. Are you alive today? Amen. You're alive. I'm glad to hear it. Now, let's get on to preaching. What else does it say? In the new creation, there's a what? A change comes about. Yes, you do feel the life within you. But something else in there. What does it say in 517? Old things are what? Passed away. Don't like, how many of you want to put the past away? There's not a person in here probably that doesn't have something in their past they want to get rid of, or fault they wanted to get rid of. Everyone needs the old things gone. We need to clean house. I will take volunteers to come out and take books. I'm still getting, trying to get rid of 50 years accumulation of books. But that's not the kind of house cleaning I'm talking about. What am I talking about? The inside. The inside. What needs cleaning is the inside. We dress up the outside. We dress up the outside. 
And we can put on a tie. We can polish our shoes. Now, I'm glad these old things are still around. I counted up today. These shoes are 30 years old. It took a long time to break them in. Old things have passed away. But if you look in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it talks about how Satan puts blinders on you. How Satan hides, keep, hides things from you. Satan blinds the mind. See, we don't think we have our minds blinded. But when you start thinking like the world, think about something. When you start looking at the world, at the things in this world today through the eyes of the world, your life changes. And when it changes, it's not always for the better. But it also says, old things have passed away, but there's something to come into your life. The light of the gospel. The light of the gospel brings what? The light of the gospel takes those blinders off. Somewhere it talks about the scales being on somebody's eyes. I can't remember where that came out. But it removes the scales. How many of you have ever had cataracts? What happened when they were removed? You could see things. And you say, do I really get that old in that amount of time? You look in the mirror. I looked in the mirror. And especially after they gave me, it's been a few years since I had an artery operated on. And when they operate on that artery, they essentially gave me a facelift of what they did. But the only problem was, it's only on one side. And when that happens, it, things become a little lopsided. Now, you don't see it. The collar's up and all that, and the wrinkles are all there. You get accustomed to them. But you see things as they are. And sometimes they're hard to look at. It's just like after your children leave home. You're glad how many of them turned out. And first off, you're glad you're not paying their bills. They're earning their own way. They're seeing their own way. But they get reality as well. But we see things different. We see things through a different lens when we get those blinders removed. It's radical. It is radical in many lives. A radical change. Denny, and I don't know who he was, I just... Quoting him, writes of Paul, he was another man in another universe. But he is outside the what? The norm, but he is called with what? A purpose to reconcile the world to God. Reconciliation. Our priorities change. That's difficult for some. It's especially difficult when you have a husband who is a Christian 
and the wife isn't a Christian or the wife's a Christian and the husband isn't, the family's battling it on that. That's difficult. But when you look at lives and when they change, we need a different mindset so many times to make those changes. Ephesians 6, 9 says, talks about a, a different, a, a new mindset. And Paul's talking about a new mindset. What is he talking about? How we view things, how we look at things, how you make decisions. A new understanding of the gospel. I want to share one thing with you about the gospel. Without the Holy Spirit in you, the gospel does not make sense. To the world, it doesn't make sense. We had a discussion recently about how many we think is saved or lost in this world. And some of them have very strong opinions against my thoughts on that. Because I looked at the world, I thought 80% was going to bust hell wide open. Because people look at good moral people and say, oh, I don't think they're going to hell. I don't think they're going to, anything is wrong with them. But when we look through the lens of God's word and the scales are taken off our eyes, we see a different view. And we understand that different view. God has reconciled us to himself, but we have a responsibility to reconcile others to us as well. We need to start close to home and work outward. Let's talk about the path of reconciliation. And we talk about mindset, but in 2 Corinthians 5, 18, he talks about, now all these things are from God who reconciled us himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. But in Colossians 2, it talks about putting a mindset of things above versus things on earth. Now, I made that very simple. I've made it in two different ways. The things above are the infinite things. The things on earth are the finite. And to make that very simple, I said, things above are everlasting, and the things on earth are what? Temporal. Most of our lives are spent looking at the temporal. What's around us, the earth and all those things, rather than focusing on the future and the things above God also gave us a Christian dress code. And I think this is necessary for reconciliation. In Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Let me read that real quick like for us because our time is running short. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Put on a new self. That was Ephesians 4.24. I just read, skipped that one. But new ways, new thoughts. We understand that. But put on a heart of what? Compassion, kindness, humility. In other words, you need to start seeing people different. You need to start treating people different. And part of that is in 3.13. It says, 
forgiving each other. How? Just as the Lord forgave you. That's necessary. It's an absolute. But we can't see that. We've had some struggles in this church with different people, groups, and people time at different times. Every church has struggles. Every family has struggles. But those struggles come from one thing most of the time, a lack of forgiveness. If Bobby hadn't forgiven me so many things, we would have divorced 50-some years ago. She is a forgiving lady. She deserves a medal of honor for living with me that many years. I didn't hear that. But in verse 14 of that Colossians, it says what? Put on love. Put on. Get dressed with love. Bobby used to tell her classes, and they didn't understand it because they didn't live with me. But she says, I loved Art the first 10 years of our marriage, but I didn't like him very well. Understand that one, don't you? Luke 17, 3 through 4. I want to do that real quick. Like, says, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns you seven times, I say, repent, forgive him. Most of you have been in class forever. And some of you have been in classes for over 50 years now. And we have some under 50 in here. Praise the Lord for that. And the old people said... Amen, your replacements are here. What does the number seven mean in the Bible most of the time? When he says forgive seven times, what does it mean? Forgive and keep on forgiving. It doesn't say you can stop forgiving. If Bobby had stopped forgiving me, it would ought to have been done for. We need to forgive in the family. We need to forgive outside the family. We need not just to pick and choose those who we forgive. The Bible says we are to forgive what? All. There's no one excluded. Forgiveness should be a part of your DNA. Never stop forgiving. Now, let's look at Matthew 5, 23 through 24. It says, therefore, if you're presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. What is that saying? Make it right with your brother. Because if you don't make it right with your brother and you walk into this church trying to worship and you have animosity between you and your brother, you're what? You're putting up a wall. You're hindering worship. 
Make it right. Reconcile. Get it together. Forgive one another. The same thing about prayer. 1 Timothy 2.8 2, tells us, pray without what? Dissension. I was in a church once where a person came in that was a deacon in another church. He wanted to be a member of the church and a part of it. Well, that same deacon had pulled a knife on another deacon in that other church. And what was he doing trying to join another church? He was running from himself and running for forgiveness and making up and reconciliation. He was running from himself. But he wasn't running towards God. He was running away from God. We shouldn't tolerate that. It shouldn't be tolerated. We sing a song, and I'm not sure if I've got the title or if, it's in, what, if this is part of the title or not. They will know we are Christians by our love. Is that a title? Okay, that is the title. Jesus commanded in John 13, 34, that we love one another. He didn't ask us to like everything a person does. What he did is say we're to love one another. What does love do? Tell me, what does love do? Endures all things. I'm going to give you a recent example. If I'd have treated my children as well as I treat my dogs now, they would have probably had a different outcome. Bobby had a real reason for not loving me, I mean, not liking me the first 10 years of her marriage. I was a different person. But we picked up a little, I'm going to give you a dog as an illustration. That may be funny in the church, give you a dog as an illustration. We picked up a little uh, dog down Searcy in the pound. Every little noisy, ran and took off. I see, we already had a dog, and Bobby got the first dog because she wanted a dog for her, a lap dog. Well, you know whose lap the dog ended up on? And since this dog was so afraid, I've done nothing but show him love. Now, I have put him in the kennel for a few bad events, but I've done nothing but show him love. Now, the problem is when I take a nap, I have two dogs laying in my lap. <laughs> love can change a little old dog. Love can change people. We need to love people until we are reconciled with them. We need to treat them decently. It may not be the way they treat you, but we need to treat them decently. Love changes things. 
I, I was surprised. I, I'm supr- still surprised that little dog actually, because I can raise my voice and be loud at times. I was surprised that little dog would come and just get beside me and sit in my lap. But most of my family, my children, and I will give you, some of you heard this already. We were in a family gathering, and my granddaughter's new husband looked at my relationship with my little Corky. He said, that's the first thing I've ever seen you show affection to. Now, let that sink in for a moment. It's kind of not good for me necessarily looking at me. But God changed, can change me. He can change you. If God can change that relationship between the dog and me by just showing him love, God can change your, you. He can change your friends. He can change your enemies. Because when we, the love comes from God and when you, that love from God comes through you and out to a person, it makes a difference. Our nation needs love. Our nation needs reconciliation. But it comes with everyone that is in Christ being reconciled in, with their brothers in Christ first. And when they're reconciled with their brothers in Christ, then they can stand before a, the world and be something different. But see, what the world sees is Brother Johnny goes to the restaurant on Sunday afternoon and talks about all the people in his church. Brother Johnny doesn't like this. Brother Johnny doesn't like that. A Sister Kay doesn't like this or a Sister Kay doesn't like that. Is that reconciliation? It is not. And again, Jesus commanded in John 13, 34, that we love one another. He didn't ask us. He didn't say it's a privilege not to. He said it is a command. I want you to think about that. When you think you're living right and you don't love your brother, you're disobeying God and you're not in right relationship with God. Step one, be reconciled with God. Get your life right with God. Accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and let your life be changed from the inside out. Step two, reconcile yourself with man and the world around you. But there's a step three. It's a change. If you look at verse 20 in chapter five, it says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. To be an ambassador for Christ means you represent what Christ stands for. In all aspects of your life, how you talk, how you write, how you do business. I had a little uh, 
conversation with a furniture store here in town. And if any of you are car salesmen, I apologize to you right now. But I said the salesman in that car, furniture store had a worse reputation with me than a car salesman. And I got about $500 back. But I did it, as, as far as I'm concerned, in a nice way. And has God changed me? Yes. I'm critical. I'm hard. And most of you know I was a Marine for 20 years. I was taught to be hard. I was taught to be critical and forceful. But being critical and forceful does not change people. Love changes people. We cannot be ambassadors for Christ until we change. And it's not something we can do. Remember the scripture says we are his worksmanship. It's a change that comes from the inside out. It's a change that makes a difference. It's a change that makes a difference in your worship. You worship different. Why? Because you're in tune with the spirit of God. Sometimes right now, I get angry watching the news. They would not want me to be on a podium in D.C. Because I probably would not be the best representative for God. But how do we reconcile our nation and how do we become ambassadors of Christ? That's to get it right between us and God and with man. You can't represent something unless you represent the best part of it and the people see the best part of it. When you go trying to sell something, what do you try to sell? We just bought a car recently, a used car. And boy, did they shine that car up. I was still sliding on the mats in it for days after we bought it. But what they did was they also covered up the defects. They polished them out. Well, once all the shine wore off, you saw some of the scratches. I, that's normal. I understood it. But when you're selling something, you want to see what? You want them to see what? The best. When you're a Christian and you're an ambassador for Christ, you want them to see the best. You want them to see Christ through you. But you can't do that if you're faking it. I'll tell you that right now. There's a lot of, you call snake, we used to call them snake oil salesmen. I call them car salesmen, but there is some honest car salesmen. Snake oil salesmen. To shine up the product. If we're truly, honestly, right with God, then we don't have to be a snake oil salesman because what do we have in this? We have the Holy Spirit that opens our hearts up, opens our minds up, opens the scripture up, 
and reveals what God's all about. The word changes people. People don't change people. You cannot change a person. You you cannot come into a person. Only God through the Holy Spirit can come into a person. Understand that. The problem is in the churches, we try programs, we try this, we try pleasing them, we try feeding them. It's one thing the Southern Baptists do well. Potlucks. And it all goes to the pot. I was glad I was able to fit in this suit. But think about it. We need to understand where we're at. Don't step out and try to be an ambassador for Christ until you've made your life right with God. And not only right with God, but right with others in the church. One last story. I got a lot of them, so we could go forever. And the reason I say this is I worked with two couples probably for 15 years out of the 20-some years of the church plant. And they joined the church at different times, so the other couple didn't know the other couple was in the church. Some of you already know where I'm going. Two couples. One did maintenance work and remodeling. Twenty or thirty years, probably twenty years before we got there, or fifteen years before we got to the Muscatine. One of them had done work for the other couple. He was a contractor. He did some shoddy work or whatever it might be. He didn't ever receive full payment. Twenty years later, they were still at odds with each other about an incident, and that had been a burr in the, under their saddle for 20 years. What does that say about their relationship with God? And you know what's the worst part of it, looking at it and understanding the Scripture? is both couples thought they were spiritual. How would you define them? See, they could never look in the mirror of God's Word and see where they were at. Now, the reason I say that is actually one of the ladies in the couple passed away this week. And as far as I know, until she died, they hadn't reconciled. What did that do for their witness? What does it do for your witness when you're not reconciled? In Romans 12, 18 and 12, 21, just quickly, tells us to be at peace with all men and to overcome evil with good. And I'm going to tell you again, 
That's not in your DNA without the power of the Holy Spirit doing it within you. It's not in your DNA. But it is in the power of the Holy Spirit to change you and allow you to do good and overcome evil. But you cannot do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to operate within your life. Has to function. As a church planner, one of the things I did was visit people a lot. And I, many times I got offered a cup of coffee. And I, gained, I became very adept, especially for old, when I went to older people's houses, I got, became very adept to examining the cup on the way up to my mouth. Sometimes I would turn the cup and sip a little bit out of it and sit down, and I would try to be my, nice, and I probably lied a little bit, so forgive me, God. Oh, I'm coffeeed out because what I saw inside that cup. When people truly see the inside of you, are they going to set you aside? And you're not functional anymore in their lives? We need a clean cup in our lives. That is the work and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's called repentance. We need to turn from our ways and change our ways. God forgives us over and over. It's the same thing in life. We need to forgive people over and over. Is it easy in your own power? Absolutely not. It's almost impossible. But with, all, with, with God, all things are possible. A clean cup. David said, create a clean heart or a new heart. It's something from nothing. God can take your old carcasses, your new carcasses, your young carcasses, and he can make us something out of that. You can't, but God can. David knew where he stood with God. Do you know where you stand with God today? Is your cup clean? Are you reconciled to God? Are you reconciled to man? Are you prepared to be an ambassador for Jesus? You have to examine yourself. I can't. I can look at the outside. I can tell whether you washed your clothes, but I certainly cannot tell if you washed the insides. You have a clean heart. You have a clean mind. What is your mindset? Where are you at today? You have to make that decision. I can't tell. I can only look at outside circumstances. But God knows your heart. God knows your need. But one of the things you have to do is say, here I am, God, and open your hands to God and receive that healing and that blessing. Make them holy hands. 
hands that are clean and acceptable to God. Jesus did that on the cross. Let's clean our lives up through Jesus Christ and not the world, not the way of the world. It's not the body wash you use. It's not the shower soap you use or whatever it is. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It cleanses inside out. Love will change people. And guess what? You will love yourself as well. When you look in a mirror, you'll see someone different. You'll view things different. You'll make different decisions. And you'll feel like you're running. All Everybody except for Don. We don't run anymore, do we, Don? JB said it's going to get worse for me. But we can run to the word of God and accept where we're at and ask God to make the changes and let God turn the pages of your life and give you a clean slate and make you whole again. That's my prayer for you. And I want to pray, before we get to the invitation, I want to pray for you and pray for your life and pray for this church. Let's pray as musicians come. Father, we just praise you for the life within us. We praise you for what you're going to do. We praise you for the message that went forth. But we praise you, Father, that it was your message. We praise you for the changes you're going to bring about in lives. We're going to praise you for the strength you give people to bring about the changes. And Father, I just know that only you can equip us for the task ahead. Equip us, make us whole, and give us a new life within and bring the changes without. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I don't know what God said to you today. I don't know where you're at in life. But knowing the majority of the group, I know most of you have already accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. But there might be someone here today that's truly never given their life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'd invite you to come, and I will ask you to come forward. If you feel that God's spoken to you and want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd ask you to come and sit, and I'll stay away from you, and I'll go over and put my mask on later, and we'll talk. But if God's speaking to you, come. Let me share with you how to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. It's not something I do. I can't change you. I can't make you come. If God's speaking to you, come. Don't deny him. Don't run away from him. But if it's just me trying to influence you, no. I don't want to influence you. God's word needs to change you. God's word needs to come into you. Your life needs God. Our nation needs God. But if God's speaking to you and you need something resolved in your life, I'd like to pray with you about it. But if God's speaking to you, come. Let's stand together and sing, Let Others See Jesus in You.